Hello, I'm Emma Jane Purcell and welcome back to Fail Harder, the podcast where I chat to people at the top of their game about failure, from their first memory of failure to how they cope with it now. Joining me on the podcast today, I have the incredible Pat Dively. Yeah, what, like I tell people, before I discovered all this stuff, uh, I was anxious and I was insecure and I was nervous and I was shy and I was scared. And after I found that stuff, I'm still anxious and nervous and insecure and shy and scared. I'm still all the same things I was and I still have all the same experiences. The only difference is how quick I bounce back. So, you know, um, having a workshop full of people not respond to any of the content and look at me with blank faces a couple of years ago could have put me off speaking forever. Mm. Whereas now it might make me feel bad for an hour. And then I try to take the lessons from it as quick as possible. Pat is an author, speaker and high performance coach who helps people reach new levels of purpose and fulfillment through movement and mindset. Pat has emerged as one of Ireland's top speakers in the area of personal development and also organised groups who raised over 250,000 for charities. But today, Pat isn't here to talk about success. He's here to talk about failure. Pat. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Thank you so much for coming in. I really appreciate it. I was delighted that you actually said yes to the podcast because you speak so openly about failure mm. and stuff like that. So I was like, if I can get Pat in, that'd be oh, great. Oh, it's right up my street. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I'll do it. I was like, great. Yeah. Um, so before we begin, let me explain the format. So I have 20 questions in front of me, numbered at random. Uh, most are straightforward. However, some are a little unconventional. Okay. And in the spirit of failure and trying to assert control over what life throws at us, you get to pick the numbers. That's perfect. You're, uh, you're yeah, good to go. You're wrecking my self-esteem. How, how are you feeling about it? I'm looking forward to it. I actually enjoy okay. I enjoy failing. I think I have a different definition to most on failure, possibly, but we'll probably get into that. Yes, I'm sure, we'll, <laughs> I'm sure we will. Okay, what number would you like first? Uh, six. Number six. Okay. Think back to your final year in secondary school. How did you picture your future then? Is that picture different to your life now? Okay, I thought it was going to be straight into all my failures of life. <laughs> um, sixth year in school, I, I wanted to be a personal trainer. That's all I ever wanted to do. But back then, there was no industry for fitness in Ireland, at least that I could see. Carl Henry was probably the only trainer who was making a living okay. from, from fitness. And Paul Byrne, Body Byrne. There was two guys that I saw that were making a living from fitness. That's what I wanted to do. I didn't think it was possible, and so I went and did an arts degree. Oh. I was completely lost uh, in, in secondary school in sixth year. I didn't know where I was going, what I was doing. Um, so if you told me I would be where I am now, I'd be shocked on one hand, because I didn't think there was ever an industry for fitness, never mind personal development. But then on the other hand, it's exactly what I wanted to do. I just didn't think I could do it, if that makes sense. I didn't think it was possible for me. I, I knew it was what I wanted to do, what I'm doing now. Mm. But I probably buried it so deep because I was like, oh, it's not even feasible or tangible or not just for me. I don't think it's possible for someone in Ireland yes. to talk about personal development. Because I was into all that stuff since I was 13, 14, Tony Robbins and all this kind of. Uh -huh. And were you like embarrassed about that a little bit or, or were you open that you like that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah, I would tell all my friends. And it was funny, like I would tell my friends, I'm reading this book about success. And, you know, the next week I'm reading this other book about success. And my friend pulled me aside. He's like, if the books about success were so good, surely you'd read one and you'd be <laughs> successful. And I was kind of stumped and I was like, OK, you got to apply this stuff as well. 
And like sound. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I spent all my teens reading the books, but I never really applied anything. Obviously, in theory, if mm-hmm. I'd applied those concepts in sixth year in school of believing in yourself and breaking down goals and having a vision, all these kind of things, I could have done anything. Uh, but it took me failing repeatedly before I kind of went back to the books and I said, my way of living doesn't work. There must be a different way. And what did, what uh, subjects did you study in college in arts? Uh, geography, economics, um, psychology and IT. Right. And for like the psychology, I would have loved to have pursued further, but it was the top 100 in the class that went through. And that definitely wasn't going to happen because I was scraping by, mm. you know, um, my first year of arts, I think I went to maybe maybe 10 lectures over the course of the year. My second year, I went to four lectures. My third year, I went to four lectures again. I didn't go to my graduation because I didn't know anyone in my class. Okay. I had no interest in what I was doing. But then I found the fitness thing on the side when I was doing my personal training. So, or sorry, when I was doing my arts degree, I found the personal training on the side. I started doing that outside of college. And that gave me a little bit of hope and a little bit of kind of something to work toward. And what were you thinking then at that stage in college, you know, not really going to class, but you're enjoying the personal training where you kind of like, now I might try and actually give this thing a go when I finish my degree or were you still I wasn't like, thinking uh, beyond the next night out to be honest I was probably out four or five nights a week throughout <laughs> college for the brilliant. three years so I, I wasn't um, I was avoiding reality and I suppose you probably mm. do that when you're that age unless you've got a kind of idea what you're trying to do at least that was my experience um, I would go to America every summer on a J1 to be a cage fighter that was what I wanted to do uh, on the side so I was a big martial <laughs> arts daft I was a big martial arts guy when I was a teenager mm. when I was 18 or 19 I went off to San Diego to be a cage fighter for three months and funnily that was actually what stemmed me to get back into the fitness it was after that that I saw what was happening in California and I said I'll finish the arts degree just to finish it but I'm going to try bring this fitness stuff to Ireland the way I see it in California. So that was the seeds, I suppose, where it started. And what did your like family think of this? Would they be kind of quite traditional, like go get your good job or were they very supportive? Yeah, I think they were somewhere in the middle in that they would never have tried to push me into something that wasn't me. They weren't going mm. to push me to be an accountant or a lawyer or a doctor or anything like that. But they didn't think personal training was something that was ever going to make me a comfortable living and they just want me to be comfortable. Yeah. Um, so they were encouraging physiotherapy because they said you get to work with people, which was very fair and very logical yeah. way of seeing the world. They said you get to work to work with people, you'll have a job anywhere you go in the world and you'll get to, um, you know, have similar to personal training, but you'll have good money coming in consistently. Um, but again, I didn't think I was academic enough to be a physio. I wouldn't have got the points. Uh, I didn't. Yeah, I just, my, my big story when I was a, a kid was I'm not academic, clever or smart. And that kind of ran the show for me. You know, really? it's hard. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. To, it's, I think it's hard to do something if you don't believe it's possible for you. It's like the person that says they have bad genetics is never going to lose weight because the narrative that they play all day, every day is I've got bad genetics. Yeah. How is that person ever going to stay consistent with something? And the same for me was constant narrative. I'm not academic, clever or smart. OK, time to study. No point in studying. And then mm. you get a bad result in your exam. And then that feeds into your story. Yeah. Oh, I told you I wasn't academic. You kind of fight for your limitations. Um, so that was my late teens, I suppose, early 20s. It's not really good for somebody's confidence, is it? Telling them that they're not academic or, you know, if you feel if you feel like you're not an academic person or you'd feel like oh, you're yeah. not intelligent, 
going through life, I think that sticks with a lot of people. And they, yeah. They, well, it was only me that was telling myself yeah. this. Everyone around me was saying, you're perfectly capable. You just okay, don't put the yeah, effort yeah, in. Yeah. And in retrospect, I just wasn't interested. No more than a lot of people, I'm sure. I wasn't interested in the subjects. I did music in school and I quite liked that. And I did well in that. I, I did well in languages. But stuff like maths and science and anything else I just yeah. it didn't make sense to me like why I needed to do that stuff and then you did a master's in nutrition yeah so it was it was it was it's just random I suppose how the world goes I'm like I'll speak to teenagers now and people in their leaving cert are, are just getting their leaving cert results and they think it's the end of the world and they think oh that, absolutely yeah and and we're, we're all the same I thought it was like you're right I'm gonna have to do my arts degree I knew arts could open doors potentially in the future and obviously it was a broad degree that was the idea of doing it hopefully by the end of three years I'll know what I want to do but my auntie had seen an advertisement in the paper for a course in Chester in the UK for a master's in exercise and nutrition science. And I just put in an application chance in my arm. I said, I have an arts degree. I haven't ever studied science, but I have all these diplomas for fitness mm. and they accepted me. And so I think the following week I moved over to England and did the year long master's. So that kind of, that, that was good. That allowed me to obviously pursue something I was actually passionate about. Yeah. And I knew as a personal trainer, just having a certificate or a diploma wasn't going to be enough. I said, if I have a master's in something, it's going to help me stand out, hopefully. Yeah. Um, in the real world, nobody ever asked to see my master's, but I think it gave me a bit more confidence than having just gone through a six-week course to be a trainer, you know? And did you enjoy the course? Uh, no, but I enjoyed the experience. <laughs> um, Why not? Uh, it, I mean, it was quite academic. It was, uh, it was six modules, but each module was just three days in the classroom, and then you would write a 5,000-word piece. Um, so you'd write a research piece, 5,000 words, and then the dissertation was 15,000 words, I think. Um, I probably would have been more suited to like being in something that was very hands-on mm. and getting to work with people and test and all that kind of stuff. This was designed more for people, I think, that were doing the master's on the side over a couple of years. Okay. I just happened to do it full-time over a year. But that year, I worked full-time in the gym at the college. So I'd only become qualified as a trainer not long before that. I got a 40 hour a week job in the university gym and the way it worked was everyone got free personal training. They just book in with you. And so I'd have 40 hours of personal training clients a week, which was amazing experience over a year I get to work with. Yeah. Wheelchair basketball uh, participants, cardiac rehabilitation patients, semi-professional athletes. Normal, you know, I got massive experience. And that opened my eyes because I think at that time I thought I wanted to work with strength and conditioning athletes. Like I want to work with the elite and make them better. And then after working with a few athletes, I was like, nah, I want to work with normal people because normal people are massively energized and inspired when they do their first push up. The professional athlete, um, I don't know, they've trained all their life and, yeah. and they're just looking for the tiny little improvements and I can make a bigger impact with normal people like myself. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. All right, let's move on to the next number. <laughs> Sorry, I talk a lot. <laughs> no, that's great. That it's a podcast. <laughs> that's what we want. Um, All right. Do I pick another number? Pick a number, another number. Two. Number two. Okay. Pat, could you please name the seven interconnected Middle Eastern countries that end with Stan? Oh, I'm going to embarrass myself. <laughs> That uh, degree there, geography. That I know, I get that all the time. I got lost find in the studio here today. Um, Kyrgyzstan. Yep. Uh, Kazakhstan. Yep. Uzbekistan. Uh-huh. 
That's all I got. You're doing pretty good. Three. Uh, the Kurdistan has been. Uh, oh, I'm going to kick myself because there's one or two of them. There's definitely one or two you definitely know. Are they, are they obvious ones? Don't tell me yet. <laughs> if we could be here for a while. There's one really obvious one. Kazakhstan. I say Kazakhstan. Afghanistan. Is it Afghanistan? You said Afghanistan. Or did you say Afghanistan? I didn't say Afghanistan. Oh, so Afghanistan. Kur- <laughs> Pakistan. Yes. So I've got five. Yeah, you've got... Uh, Kyrgyzstan, Kyrg- Pakistan, Kyrg- Afghanistan, Kazakhstan. So you've three more to get. I've Uzbekistan, right? Uzbekistan. Kyrgyzstan, <laughs> Kazakhstan, Pakistan. Oh. Have I three or two more to get? Two more. <laughs> okay. I'm not going to get these, I don't think. I'll give you a clue. Yeah. They begin with T. They're definitely the hardest as well. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you surrender? No, I might as well take a punt. Um, (laughs) Tarazistan. I don't know. Tajikistan and Turkmenistan. Okay, I'm proud of my effort. You did really good. You did really good. I'd probably get two if somebody asked me, to be fair. All right, next number. There's a mountain I want to climb in Kyrgyzstan. That's the only reason I, I realized. Um, number nine. Number nine. How do you cope with failure? I um, I try to get as practical as possible and not get too emotional with it. So I think... A lot of what I try to live and teach now with the personal development work is more about personal acceptance as opposed to development. So development is take on more ideas and I don't have I don't know enough, so I need to learn from other people. Personal acceptance is kind of like making peace with where you are and, and kind of moving from that place. At least that's kind of my perception. So typically when someone fails, they get very emotional about it and they get very down on themselves and they become very judgmental of themselves. Yes. <laughs> And my thing is, can I become curious rather than judgmental? So, you know, it could be as simple as, like I told you, I did my yoga teacher training before Christmas and I had done two yoga classes before I signed up and we sat in a circle on the first day and everyone talked about their experience. I've done five years, I've done two years and I sat and I said, I've done two classes and people laughed at me. And a week in, we had to teach our first class. And so, of course, I was nervous and everything else. Um, But I taught the class and I can see people smirking and giggling a little bit at the fact that I don't know what I'm doing and I feel self-conscious and I feel triggered and I feel all these things. But then I get practical with it. And I'm like, how do I deal with this failure, perceived failure? Well, I, I get practical, right? How do you feel? I feel um, overwhelmed. I feel underprepared. I feel um, not good enough. Why do you feel this way? Well, I'm brand new to yoga. Um, you know, mm. what could you do to improve this? Turn up a bit more and keep doing it consistently. So just try to get like real about it. Sometimes we live in analogies like, uh, you know, people will say, I feel massively overwhelmed. I feel like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. I feel like shit. I feel, you know, whatever it is. And these are like stories that we tell ourselves that make us uh, more overwhelmed. Yeah. So I'm like, well, how do you really feel? Okay, I feel a bit tired. I feel like I've taken on a few too many projects. I feel like I've bitten off more than I can chew. And can you get more and more practical and ask yourself, what can I actually do about it? So coming back to your question, how do I deal with failure? I ask myself, you know, what happened? Why is it positive? What's the lesson and how do I apply that? 
so what happened? Um, I did a I did a workshop last night. The, the uh, half the audience didn't seem to be very engaged. So that was the the thing that happened. Why is it positive? I've noticed that there's something that I'm doing that isn't working in the workshop, and so I need to change the material because I'm going to do lots more workshops in my life, and this is a way for me to learn and to grow. Um, what's the lesson? I need to trust the feedback of my audience. Uh, how do I apply that lesson? I ask my audience for feedback, and I don't get pers- I don't take it personally. I-, I use it as a chance to grow. So what happened? Why is it positive? What's the lesson? How do I apply that? That's kind uh, and do you feel honestly that obviously you've come to a place in your life where where you can process failure like that? I mean, I can't. <laughs> Most mm. people can't. Mm. But do you feel that now you can always do that when you fail, or do you still sometimes revert back to your old self and mm. getting down? I know, like obviously you have the skills now, mm. and more skills than anybody. But do you still sometimes find yourself reverting back to old yeah. path? Yeah, what, like I tell people, before I discovered all this stuff, uh, I was anxious and I was insecure and I was nervous and I was shy and I was scared. And after I found that stuff, I'm still anxious and nervous and insecure and shy and scared. I'm still all the same things I was and I still have all the same experiences. The only difference is how quick I bounce back. So, you know, um, having a workshop full of people not respond to any of the content and look at me with blank faces a couple of years ago could have put me off speaking forever Mm. whereas now it might make me feel bad for an hour and then I try to take the lessons from it as quick as possible Um, and I think that's I won't say the secret but I think that's part of the mission for us all is like can I be a little less attached to the outcome Yeah, and that could be your boss gives out to you and and you let that ruin your week Um, or your boss gives out to you and you blow off some steam for an hour and then you're good to go again. I think it's just lessening that time of suffering. Suffering is attachment, like I'm attached yeah. to the stress or the feeling. Because um, what you're saying, I definitely am all the negative parts of failure. Like I haven't come to a place at all where I can, you know, look at it like that. Okay, like, um, you know, what, am, what can I do better? Like, why do I feel this way? I get like real emotional or real down about it. and I will pick myself up again, but mm. like I'll, I kind of feel like I'm. I owe it to myself to be sad or like, act like act in a ridiculous way. Be like, oh well, I'm not going to do this now for another few days because like yeah. I just feel like shit. Well, it's just a per- <laughs> it's just a perception and like I say, yeah. a, a perspective. Like there was a girl on that yoga teacher training, and two weeks in, she was looking super anxious and nervous all the time. And I asked her what's wrong, and she's like, "Don't talk to me. I'm going to cry if uh, if I talk." And I said, are you nervous about teaching? Because she was brand new to yoga as well. And she goes, yeah, I'm so nervous. And I said, do you not think you're supposed to be nervous? It's not normal to be nervous. Like, mm. I'm nervous too. She goes, you, no, you look confident up there. I said, I'm confident because I've never done this before. So me doing it now is me doing it for the first time. So it's better than it's ever been done before by me. Like, that's my perce- perception. Um, and I said, you're up there and you're fighting with the fact you're nervous. So you're resisting the feeling that is there. If you could just feel the feeling you could kind of almost laugh at yourself about it. You're like, oh, look at me, I'm crazy. Like that, that was in my head as mm. I'm teaching a class. I was like, how do I get myself into these situations? But I keep teaching the class. Like, what am I doing teaching a yoga class? But I kind of laugh at it rather than being like, oh, I'm such an imposter, I shouldn't be here. Um, so it's the idea of like, can you let yourself feel the emotion rather than resist the emotion? Mm. Because a lot of us, like if sadness comes up, it's not the sadness that causes the issue. At least the way I see it, it's more the like, I shouldn't be sad. That's where the real problem is, the resistance. I shouldn't be sad. And so you're like holding on for days. 
At least yeah. you let yourself be sad. You can be sad for two hours and you're probably going to be okay. You just need to feel the emotion for it to go, you know? Yeah. And how how would you say that, like, you've come to this point now where you feel this way about failure in a really positive way? It's a combination of, you know, my business was the first thing. Well, I'm sure there was loads of things before, but the famous story that I told about, you know, failing with my business in Dublin mm. and that being a blessing in disguise and then starting again and teaching classes before I felt ready and doing public speaking before I felt ready. And, you know, martial arts has been a big thing. I went back to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu three years ago. When you train Jiu-Jitsu, you lose every day. No matter how good you are, you'll get beaten up by someone every mm. day that you train. And so it kind of gets rid of the ego to some degree where you're like, you feel on top of the world today and you'll go back tomorrow and, and you'll get beaten up for the day. So that teaches you that, you know, John Kavna, Conor McGregor's coach, has that phrase, you win or you learn. And that's really how you need to think of it. It's, it's um, yeah, it's a combination of things. I think it's just, yeah. I just recognize, like I try things all the time. I've taken up surfing recently. I do a bit of rock climbing. I do mountaineering. I've taken up the yoga, all these different things. And I go in with a beginner's mindset. Um, what I recognize is you get good at whatever you practice. And most of us beat ourselves up because we're not good at something. And you ask the person, how often have you done it? Oh, I've done it three times. Well, you're not supposed to be good at it. Enjoy the process of like learning every day. Because mm. when you get good at something, you only make tiny improvements every day. If you can stick out the first 20 hours of learning something, you go from a beginner to really known, you know, something. Would you say that you don't really have a fear of failure anymore? Um, I'd be hesitant to say that because, you know, I talk about this sometimes that I can sit here and tell you about all these things that I'm comfortable failing with. And there's probably stuff that I don't even recognize that mm. I wouldn't be comfortable sharing or, or wouldn't be comfortable failing at. Maybe failure to me is different things that I, yeah. I don't, I'm not even aware of in myself. Um, like maybe my comfort zone is to put myself out there in those ways, if that makes sense. Yes, yeah. Um, in the same way that like, you know, we see the body positivity movement and people put up pictures. Oh, you know, this is me. This is the real me they're comfortable putting that picture up even though it's maybe not their best picture they've decided that's, yes. a, that's another filter they want to show themselves but would they be comfortable with another part of the body positive yeah. I don't know and it's a, it's, it's a protection thing as well like yeah, we sure. all yeah. you know everyone kind of has that fear of it just to protect themselves from danger or whatever it is yeah 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 hmm. alright next number <laughs> uh, next number uh, it goes to 20 it goes to 20, 20. So we have 20 numbers 20 20 Sorry, oh, to you pick, drink some water there, 20. <laughs> pick number 20. Who do you go to when you failed? Mm. So I guess my, my definition of failure, if I was to think of what failure looks like to me, because, you know, like I say, if I lose a jiu-jitsu match, that's not failure to me. If I mess up a talk, that's not failure to me. Failure to me is probably when I get stuck in my head and I, I let my emotions get the better of me. I let my, my stories and my internal narrative get the better of me. And I have a slump or for a week I feel depressed or I feel anxious or whatever it might be. That's failure for me when I can't get out of that. I probably go to my parents, I would say. Um, yeah, I go, I go to my parents and I just I probably, probably feel bad because I'm like a <laughs> child that just, you know, vents about everything that's yeah. wrong and how the world's against me and everything else. And they put me straight fairly quick. And so. would you would you be good for that? Would you be good to open up to people about stuff that's going wrong in your yeah, personal I think, life? I think almost to a fault. Yeah, I would tell anyone anything. Same. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just my personality, and you know, I, I sometimes think, oh, it's, you know, I shouldn't be that way. But then I think everyone is the way they are, and like, 
to some degree, obviously we can change how we are, but when you watch kids interact, you'll see the ones that are extrovert and the ones that are introvert and we all have different personalities and it's always been the case that I just say, you know, I just say what I feel and yeah. I say what's going on in my head, in my head you know. Um, and now kind of in the, the work you do, do you feel like a lot of people come to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Too much? <laughs> no, no, it's great. Um, I try to tell people though, like I think it's a, I'll do a talk for a couple of hundred people and I'm the guy that they're looking at that they think has the answers and hopefully for two hours I can make them feel that and they feel a bit of hope that they didn't have coming into the room but the next day I could be tired after my seminar and I could be feeling down in the dumps and I'll go to jiu-jitsu and an 18-year-old kid who's still in school will compliment something I do at jiu-jitsu and that makes me feel good and then I feel good again and then I can pass it on to someone else and then the 18-year-old feels depressed the following week and it's kind of a cycle of ups and downs for us all Mm. I'm very aware of that. I'm like, I'm not definitely not the guy that has all the answers. I, I just have, I know I have places I go when I feel down and hopefully I can be a place where people go when they feel it or they feel a bit lost, you know. Do you feel a little bit that sometimes it's a little bit of pressure to kind of seem like you have it all together all the time? No, I, I start every talk by saying that I'm only talking to myself really up there. That like when I give advice or when I share ideas or stories, I'm just reaffirming what myself because yeah. there's two paths the same way there's two of any of us there's like the the me at my best and then there's the me when i'm lazy and i'm on the couch or i'm hungover or i i eat junk food or whatever it is there's the two guys and so when i'm in a seminar for two hours and i'm talking about be your best self and have habits and don't judge yourself and question your stories and all these things that i say me on the couch needs to hear that sometimes yeah and there just happens to be 200 other people in the room so i try to make people very aware of that i'm like i'm not telling anyone how to live i'm just sharing ideas that have supported me and that I still need. And if people benefit, then then good. Cool. All right, next number, Pat. Uh, five. Number five. Are you crossing these off? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, them. yeah, I'm trying to remember. Oh, that's page one. Um, number five. Have you any past failure that you look back on now and say, thank fuck that didn't work out? <laughs> I was wondering who would curse. Um, <laughs> yeah, Dublin, when I was here back in 2000. So I came out of the the nutrition masters at uh, 2009. I think the recession was pretty bad at the time. I moved back home. I assumed having a masters, I could walk into any gym and get a get a job, but it wasn't the case. And I got a job in Dublin um, just by chance in a gym where it was one of the vibrating machines gyms. So you stand on the machine and you vibrate and you lose weight. And um, oh God, remember them? Yeah, yeah. Are they still around? No, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> and I got—I was let go from that gym um, for telling people what I thought of the gym. Um, <laughs> and so I went out on my own in Dublin, 2012, or sorry, 2010. And for about two years, I was trying to get this thing off the ground in Dublin. And I was this young guy with ego, not in the ego sense of like being cocky, but in the ego sense of I want to be somebody. I want people to know who I am. I don't believe in myself. I need other people to believe in me. I need validation, approval, acceptance, all these things. And so for 18 months, I just like borrowing money from people to pay the rent and working different random jobs, pretending I was a full-time personal trainer and painting this image on social media that things were going really well. And um, yeah, so I moved home Christmas Eve. I told that story a million times. Cried on the bus for three hours on the way home, borrowed the money to get home, couldn't buy presents for my family. 
that was the failure and that was the time where I felt like I was worthless and, mm. and um, I felt shame because my family had supported me for years. Um, like years ago, the papers ran these stories of rags to riches story and it was like, no, I was never rags. I was, was always looked after by my parents. They always put me through college, all these kind of things. So I felt ashamed that I was 24 and I had to move back home. So that was the big failure, moving back in with my parents at 24, um, having had massive expectations for myself. And obviously that prompted me to reassess what fitness meant to me. It made I started making fitness more about community and giving people a sense of belief and getting them away from the mental struggles that they might be having. And that's what stemmed my whole business. So that was a failure that was a good yeah. yeah I suppose if it didn't say. happen you might not be where you are uh, if, I, if it didn't happen I would be a douchey personal trainer like <laughs> telling people to eat broccoli and counting their reps and asking them what they did for the weekend and I wouldn't have got the chance to do any of the stuff I've done mm -hmm. or had the impact I've had so um, it was the biggest blessing ever and that's always the way it, I mean it's so so cliche and obvious in theory but it's so hard to go through it the dark night of the soul oh, yeah. where everything's gone wrong it's like just setting you up for the next thing. It's always the way. And I know I'm, I, I was doing a seminar yesterday and I started by saying, just to make everyone aware, this is not about like thinking positive because everybody in this room is going to lose people they love. They love. They're going to get fired from jobs or you're going to like have the bank come and take your house. Like it's all, you're going to have stress and struggle for the rest of your life. It's the only guarantee. Mm. So none of us need to be worrying about um, how to alleviate stress or you know, these, these things we just need to become more more resilient more comfortable in our own skin more um, you know better at managing our energy and our focus and things like that so I would welcome challenges going forward because I know it brings growth you know absolutely I think that there's a real thing in Ireland I'm from Tipperary and there's, I think there is definitely a thing of kind of moving to the city and feeling like you nearly have to prove something. Yeah. You know, the coming back at Christmas, like I, I totally get that as well, where, you know, you might not have seen anybody for since last Christmas. And then they're like, what are you, what are you doing now? You know, yeah. how's that going? How's yeah. the acting? How's the radio or whatever? And you're mm. like, um, yeah, great. Like you feel like you need yeah. something to say. And, you know, maybe some years it will be great and some years it's like actually it's not going well but there's this kind of expectation you have uh, to prove that you're doing so well because you've moved to Dublin or you've moved to wherever I never forget that Christmas meeting my parents friends will be the worst because you'd bump into my, like I'd go out for a walk because I used to walk for three or four hours a day just up and down the beach completely lost trying to figure out like what am I doing with my life and I'd bump into my parents friends and they'd be like what are you up to these days and I'd say oh I just moved back in with mum and dad and I'm working in a pizza shop They'd say, were you not, you know, in Dublin training people? And I thought you did a master's in nutrition. And I'd say, oh, what's your kids doing? And they'd say, oh, my kids in Australia making loads of money in the mines or my kids got, you know, this, that and the other. And I just felt shame, you know, and, and uh, embarrassed and all these kind of things. And in retrospect, I'm like, look back and I'm like, geez, Pat, you were 24. Give yourself a break. But at that time, it didn't feel like that. And that's the whole thing about, you know, um, the acceptance and the kind of when you're in when you're in the fire, you know, you think, or when you're in the stressful situation, you think it's the end of the world mm -hmm. and everything else. And, you know, the things I promote now with meditation and journaling and just bringing curiosity rather than judgment, all these ideas are about taking a couple of steps back and recognizing it's not that big a deal. It's yeah. all going to pass. I loved um, uh, one of your episodes of your podcast. Um, I think it was uh, Steps or Seven or 13 Steps or something whatever many steps to, <laughs> to, uh, to 
stop overthinking or to help you with overthinking mm. and that you were telling a story um, about signing up to this kind of like a workshop or program that was like quite expensive right. and it was like was it $200 or something um, and your first email that you got in $12, was $12,000 oh, $12, <laughs> wow um, yeah. was like drink two liters like you got your email it was like drink two liters of water for two weeks like every day and you were like this is bullshit yeah, like yeah. why are they like drink water like you thought you were going to get this amazing kind of the answers to everything and then you were saying actually Actually, do, you know, do I drink two liters of water yeah. every day? And then it was like actually going back to those basics. And I, I thought that was really interesting because I remember like two years ago or three years ago when I finished college and I did drama in college and I finished and I was like, what am I doing now? And it was a really tough time and I didn't know kind of where I was going. And then I just kind of started going back to basics again, like whether I started doing like mindfulness and like just kind of just looking after my health, like really, really small things instead of this amazing kind of cure-all, like I just started doing like little, tiny little mm. things and they work. Yeah, it's like, um, I don't know, watch Operation Transformation or The Biggest Loser or any weight loss regime and the people switch up their nutritional plan and they train consistently and they drink water and they lose weight and then we know if they don't maintain those practices they're going to put back on the weight it's mm. the same with anything and I've noticed that in my own life with like I'm prone to anxiety since I was a teenager and there's a recipe there like that if I'm not sleeping well and if I have a night out that's probably going to make it a, a you know the anxiety come more if I take on too much there's a recipe of different things that happen and on the flip side there's things I can do to look after myself so meditate every day and journal every day and do my jujitsu and you know have an off time from work and turn off the phone and in the same way that the person that loses weight will put back on the weight if they stop doing the things that got them there if I stop doing the daily practices that keep me well, I'll have anxiety again. Mm. And it's just like a delayed reaction. You know, I can not meditate for the next two weeks and think I'm going to get away with it and think I'm getting away with it and then it's going to come. Um, so yeah, this daily practices, I had this phrase of you can't transcend the basics. Um, there's an amazing health coach, I was talking to someone about him this morning called Paul Check. Paul's incredible. He's one of the best in the world. And a consultation with Paul is $1,000 an hour, maybe more. Um, but he has a book called How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy, which is like the six pillars of health. And it's really simple, really mm. basic. And he tells people, read the book. And for 99.9% .9 of people, if you do the things in the book, you're going to be well. He goes, if you don't read the book and you come to me and you pay me $1,000, you pay me $1,000 for me to tell you to drink water and move and da, 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 da. But yeah, sometimes we think that money is the answer yeah. to, or the, the guru has the answers or whatever it is. We know most of the time what we need to do. Yeah. We just don't want to do it. We just don't want to do it for whatever reason. Yeah. All right. Next number. Uh, seven. Number seven. Okay. Complete the line of the nursery rhyme. <laughs> Little Jack Horner sat in a corner. Um, eating his oats and rye, is it? No. <laughs> is, it not, is it anywhere close, no? Yeah. Close. Yeah, I don't know. What's happening. I don't know. <laughs> Little Jack Horner sat in a corner eating his Christmas pie. Oh, yeah, I wasn't going to get that. Yeah, I've <laughs> never heard that in my life. He put in his thumb and pulled out a plum and said, What a good boy am I. Okay, I'm okay with getting that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next number. Two. Number two. Okay. Um, have you ever felt good about someone else's failure? Hmm. 
I'm sure I have, yeah. I'd like to think I wouldn't anymore, but I'm sure I have at the time, yeah. Um, there's this the spiritual principles or the kind of like the whole thing with spirituality and yoga and meditation is we are all one, right? Mm. So I talk about it in my TED talk a few years ago that the world is a mirror and when you go out and you smile to people and you make an effort with people, they tend to reciprocate that. And so in the same way, I think when you're not happy in your own life and you're judgmental of other people and you're wanting to see other people fail or, you know, or anything, or you feel jealousy or begrudgery or any of these things, it's obviously a reflection of yourself and it's like a vicious circle. So I'm sure at times where I've been really low, I've thrown the eyes up to heaven when I've seen other trainers doing well and I'm thinking, they don't know anything I don't know, you know, mm. and, and rather than looking at myself and doing the work on myself, I've definitely projected it onto other people. And I'm sure I still do. Sometimes I have to just, again, same as the, the I still get stressed. I just catch myself a little bit quicker. I'm sure there's times where I bitch or gossip or complain or judge or I'm jealous. I think I just catch myself. I'm a little bit more aware of it, hopefully. Um, Would you think that you're a competitive person at all? No. No. No, I don't think so. That's interesting. A lot of people who kind of would be in the fitness world would kind of naturally yeah, yeah, have a yeah. bit of a competitive edge. I think I was, edge. you know, I think I was definitely in my 20s, particularly from having failed. I wanted to be successful at mm. that point. It's like I got to prove to everyone that I'm something special and I'm different and I'm this, that and the other. Um, and I think when I achieved a lot of external things, but like buying a house and getting a car and having a big business and doing the TV and all this kind of stuff. I was just like, wow, I've ticked all the external boxes. It doesn't make any difference to how I feel internally, really. Mm. Uh, in fact, it makes you feel worse because you're like, wow, I've done all these things, but I still feel a bit lost. Then you start to look inward and you're like, right, I need to make peace with myself. And making peace with yourself isn't really a competitive game because it's not necessary, you know. Are you good at kind of writing down a goal and, and achieving that goal? or? I've gone through a like uh, a, a journey with this of my 20s again was obsessive about goals and I had the blinkers on and I was going after things and I was missing out on lots of things going on around me because I was so obsessed. And then I recognized that and I said, right, I'm going to take my foot off the gas. And then I became too go with the flow and I wasn't doing anything. I was getting out of bed whenever I wanted to get out of bed. I, I had no structure and you lack for, you, that lacks fulfillment too. That's too loose. There's yeah. no discipline. This guy Jocko Willick, he's a a Navy SEAL over in America that's written a few books. One of his phrases is discipline equals freedom. And I'm kind of back there now that I need some discipline in my life because that's what gives me structure and that's what allows me to have days off when I want days off or whatever. So yeah, I have 10 goals written down for 2020. Um, and some of them are kind of daily practices. So that's like a different type of goal. Like I want to do yoga every day for 2020. So that might be a goal. I want to do a 10 day silent retreat in 2020. That's a goal. And then I've got financial goals, I want to pay off my house or I want to travel or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah. So, yeah. And are you hard on yourself if you don't achieve the goals? No, I'm just realistic. I'm just like, you know, cool. I don't I don't expect results for work I didn't do. And so, yeah. you know, if, if um, like I say, the yoga teacher training last month, I'm not going to beat myself up about the fact that I can't touch my toes when I get out there because <laughs> I've never done yoga before. So it's like, it'd be stupid to be like, I'm so bad at this. It's yeah. Like, no, you're not bad at it. You've just never done it. So. Touching your toes can be tough. <laughs> I could just about do it now I was talking to a friend yesterday he says look he goes I recognise I'm not able to hang up a picture in my house like I can't hammer a nail into the wall but if I 
took an hour and learned how to do it, I'd be able to do yeah. it. It's not that I can't do it, I just don't do it, you know. Yeah. So. I've been trying to do a headstand for years and it's still not happening. <laughs> okay, well, I feel <laughs> bad about that. I'm too big a failure. <laughs> Joke. <laughs> All right. Well, next number. Uh, 12. Number 12. All right. How do you measure your success? Hmm. Again, quoting someone, whoever it was. I love the quotes. <laughs> I should be writing them down. I no, will when no, I listen no. back to this. <laughs> should have my own quotes. Um, there's some, I can't remember, some musician said that, you know, success is getting up in the morning and going to bed at night and doing what you want to do in between. Mm. But I think to me, success is just being grounded and feeling content and happy in myself. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Do you uh, think you feel that way now in your life? Yeah, most days, but obviously there's some days where I feel the complete opposite and I feel like a ball of anxiety or I feel like, and I think, you know, listen, you're going to have that as well because there's a polarity of life and you're not supposed to be happy all the time. You know, I think everything serves a purpose. And nearly for me, I'd say when I'm looking after myself as best I can uh, and I'm balancing my calendar and I'm not taking on too much and I'm doing my yoga and my jiu-jitsu and all these things, I feel pretty content and pretty good all the time. And so then if I feel anxious or sad, Rather than freaking out about that, I'm like, okay, what's out of sync? And maybe I've taken on too much. And it's just a warning signal. Okay, ease off a little bit. So there's all these warnings that are coming through your feelings or feedback coming through your feelings. So rather than resisting them, I'm just like, okay, what's going on here? You know, try to be a bit analytical maybe. Mm. But just being grounded, being content, having good people around me, um, making a difference in some reason. I suppose living my truth in terms of like not having to wear a mask as often as possible. Like trying to leave the masks off and just, you know who you're meeting, you know who he is. And um, that's probably success, I think. Yeah. Do you, are you, you good at taking a moment to kind of step back and look at all you've achieved, which is a lot, you know, mm. I would say. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I, I kind of leave the... Once today is done, today is done. Okay. And that's get like, it doesn't really, uh, I don't feel anything. <laughs> I don't know, is that weird? But once the, today is a new day, yesterday was a different day. I, yeah. I leave I leave everything in the past, I think, to some degree. I'm proud of what I've done, but, you know, um, every day is just a new chance to be all the things. Yeah. Like if you were to ask me where do I want to be in a year or five years or 10 years, I want to be pretty much in the same position I am now. I want to be doing my jiu-jitsu, doing my yoga, doing my speaking, a little bit better at all those things. Yeah. Because it's about being present, I suppose, what you're saying there, that you can actually, you can do that, that you're not focused on what's happened yesterday and what you're going to be doing next week, that you're, you, yeah. you, you practice what you preach, I suppose, with mindfulness and meditation and things like that. Hopefully, I try to at least, but I think when people are obsessed with targets and goals and stuff like that, you can miss out on what's possible. Like a couple of months ago, I went out to Qatar in the Middle East and did a, a, a conference for 400 managers out there, which is something I never would have written down as a goal because it just didn't make sense to me. However, the year before, my goal was get better as a speaker and do 100 talks. And so I did that by proxy of having an intention rather than having a specific goal. And so my intention would be get better at jiu-jitsu and get better at speaking and get better at yoga every time I, I do these things. And then by proxy of that, who knows where I'll end up rather than obsessing over it has to look a certain way. Yeah. I'm sure, you know, magic will show up that I never could have envisioned if I just commit to every day showing up and getting a little bit better. That's great. <laughs> Honestly, Pat, though, thank you so much for coming no, on the podcast it. today. You shared some really amazing stuff. I enjoyed um, it. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Cool concept too. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to Fail Harder. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I'd really appreciate your help in getting the word out there. Please subscribe, rate and review the podcast, share the podcast, tell anybody you can. Um, also feel free to get in touch on Instagram at Emma Jane Purcell uh, or on Twitter at Emma Jane Purcell. This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network.